Hey friends, I'm Christine Chapel, and you're listening to the Hope and Health Podcast from IBCD, where we host biblical conversations about life's challenging problems. In this episode, we chat with Gloria Furman about her book, Labor with Hope, Gospel Meditations on Pregnancy, Childbirth, and Motherhood. For more help on the topics we discussed today, visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help, where you can access notes from today's episode and browse related resources from our digital library. Before we get started, let me introduce you to our guest. Gloria Furman lives in the Middle East, where her husband, Dave, serves as pastor of Redeemer Church of Dubai. She is the author of many books, including Labor with Hope, Treasuring Christ When Your Hands Are Full, and Glimpses of Grace. Hey there, Gloria. Thanks so much for joining us today. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for asking me. I am so honored for the chance to talk with you about your recent book, Labor with Hope, Gospel Meditations on Pregnancy, Childbirth, and Motherhood. Can you give us some background on the book and why you were compelled to write it? Sure. So in my personal Bible reading and Bible study, I kept noticing all of these metaphors that seem to be connected to uh, childbirth and fertility. And... uh, I wondered, I wonder if there's a theme. I wonder if there's a way to connect all the dots between all of these things. And so I started studying in more depth these metaphors and uh, similes that are all throughout scripture. And then I realized that as I'm talking with my friends and neighbors about the Lord, it's a great jumping off point for talking about him because as women, um, we've all either gone through childbirth ourselves and become mothers, or for sure, our mother went through childbirth to give birth to us. (laughs) Um, And this is such a a very poignant reality as human beings to all have entered into the world um, through in this way in in childbirth. And it's been fascinating to talk with my friends about, hey, where did where did this come from? Why this way? Why, why is it like this? Uh, do you think that God's trying to tell us something about himself? So I've had loads of fun talking about um, the things I was learning in the Bible through studying the metaphors. So then I thought, uh, I'd love to, to dig into this deeper. And so all the digging deeper turned into an outline, which turns into a book. Well, I really appreciated the book, and I I think it really came at an interesting time uh, in my personal life. I want to lead out the gate of this conversation and and really set the tone for moving forward with what we're going to be talking about, because I know there are women who are listening to this show who really know firsthand how tragic and devastating pregnancy and childbirth can be. You know, on a personal note, when your book came out earlier this year, I actually gifted a copy of it to my sister-in-law, who at the time was pregnant with my nephew. And not more than a few months later, in her 38th week of pregnancy, my nephew, Timothy Sawyer, he was stillborn at six pounds and five ounces and 20 inches long. It was and it continues to be a gut-wrenching reality for our family. And I know as the years pass, we'll gather around for family events and we know we'll grieve. We'll grieve that someone very special is missing from our table. And I share this because I know that conversations about pregnancy and childbirth and motherhood can be really painful for many women. And I want the listeners to know that if they can relate to this kind of pain, that this conversation is for them. We 
know that there are real hurts, real scars, and real fears, and real losses associated with this topic. And so I just wanted to preface this interview by asking you to join me in acknowledging these heartbreaking realities. How do you help women to reconcile these very real griefs and pains with the hope the gospel promises? Yeah, I'm so sorry. Timothy's life glorified God. And the, the right thing to do is to grieve. You're right. These, these are heartbreaking realities, but uh, we do have hope in gospel promises, uh, even for, for things like this. This is, this is why Christ came, to uh, arrest death and to give us uh, everlasting life in his name. So for any women who are suffering in that way, or are even fearful that they would suffer in that way, um, know that the hope we have in the gospel of Jesus Christ is a rock steady promise. And God uh, will not change his mind. Um, he will come through on all of the promises you read in the Bible. So uh, know that. And know that he is a good shepherd and he will not sleep. He will guard your very life, your goings in, your coming out, all of these things. And he will carry you. A, a precious song um, that we've been singing at our church lately as uh, many of us have gone through great grief and some particular struggles and finding a meeting venue for our church is this song, He Will Hold Me Fast. And uh, one line I particularly love is, I think the lead out line, when I fear my faith will fail. He will hold me fast. Mm. Uh, so uh, I want uh, women to know that when you fear your faith will fail, it is Christ who is holding you fast. So in those dark moments, as we undergo the reality of living in a broken world, Christ will not change. And he is greater than the world. He has overcome the world. So yeah, thank you for sharing that with me. Oh, thank you. Thank you for just for sharing some some comforts and some hope in the midst of tragedies that we don't understand when those types of things happen. And we exactly what you said is, is we have that that fear of, you know, our world is falling apart and maybe what we believe about God isn't isn't true, but he does hold us fast in those times as we lament and we grieve and, and we cry and and mourn the losses that really do hurt, especially surrounding an issue such as bringing a child into the world when it, it should be a time of great rejoicing. And so, so thank you for that. Well, I really love too in the book, the observation that you made when you wrote, quote, after the fall, when death entered into God's creation, every soul conceived is a triumph of life despite death. Why is it important for us to view human life as an evidence of God's ongoing mercy to us? I think it's important to, to remember that life is, is a gift um, because we take it for granted. I, I know I, I took for granted waking up this morning and the first thought of my heart was, oh, it's early. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, oh, how tired am I? You know, oh, the things I have to do today. Oh, oh, oh. Uh, the first thought in my heart was not, wow, God, you've given me life today. Oh, thank you. An opportunity mm -hmm. to, to, to be a worship leader and um, to worship you myself and, and to lead others in worship of you. Wow, God. Oh, what a privilege. Send me. 
Um, that wasn't my first thought. <laughs> <laughs> At least not before coffee, though, right? I and mean, you have the coffee first, and then maybe you'll perk up a bit. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just to, to view human life at all as, as evidence of, of God's great ongoing mercy to all of us. Oh, that he, he would sustain all of our lives right now, it, holding us together by the word of his power. It's, uh, it's astonishing. We should have an ongoing posture of gratitude uh, because of God's ongoing mercy to us in giving us life. From what I understand, you have many years of experience as a volunteer doula. No doubt you have encountered a variety of views and beliefs about the labor and delivery process, especially as a result of living in the culturally diverse city of Dubai. Based on your observations, how have you seen views of childbearing influenced by the culture around us? That's a great question. The, in our city, there's everybody from everywhere. And as you go about your daily life and then go through the significant processes of, of life, getting married and having children, having a family, all of these things that seem so normative uh, to, to people all around the world, it's fascinating to see how their worldview has been shaped by their different cultures. And then, of course, when I live here, you get to see all of those things kind of come together and interact with one another and people's views about fertility and pregnancy and birth and the purpose of motherhood and the purpose of children even. There are so many different ways that people view the why behind these things. Why do we have families? Why do we have children? It would be kind of a neat conversation to sit down with a neighbor from a different cultural background and say, you know, in your culture, what's the purpose of having children? And that's a really thoughtful question. Um, it's a little deeper than, hey, it's hot outside. Do you think it's going <laughs> to get cooler today or tomorrow? Like, it's, it's one of those next level, like, huh. Why do I think the way I think? How have I been influenced by my family, my culture, my country, my religion? So the, the views of childbearing are so diverse uh, as you dig deeper. And then it's even diverse within families. People from a similar cultural background may have totally different views based on their socioeconomic status. It would be uh, a, neat, a neat project <laughs> to go around and mm -hmm. ask your neighbors what they think about childbearing and why. As I read your book, I sense that there is a notion some women have concerning pain relief in labor. You write that, quote, there is no merit achieved by undergoing a painful labor and that God, quote, does not demand that we suffer through it without help. So in what ways are women tempted to boast in themselves when it comes to childbirth? Yeah, so in our, our human nature, we're tempted to boast in ourselves and just about everything we can think of especially if you can compare yourself to someone else, you'd be tempted to look sideways to them and then compare yourself. I mean, this is, it goes from your hair due for the day to the grade you made on that test to how much money your job pays you. Childbirth is, is no exception. Women compare themselves to one another. It's funny to, to watch. Uh, I did this like, oh, she's having a boy. She's, you know, this many months pregnant. So am I. But why is her belly like this and mine's like that? Mm. <laughs> just to, to compare yourself. It's just part of, it's part of the way that we're wired and, and then sinfully too, just to compare so that we can boast. Um, so different aspects of childbirth will find ways to boast in those two. Uh, I think in that quote that you pulled out, uh, I wanted to make the point that if God's given you a higher pain tolerance than your neighbor, 
it doesn't mean that you are morally a superior. <laughs> Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, even even this gift of a higher pain tolerance quote-unquote is is a given is given to you so the bible teaches us not to boast in these things Uh, what do you have that's not a gift Um, and if it's a gift then why do you boast so our boasting is to be in christ alone it's it's a good heart check for those of us myself included who are attempted to boast in in these things Another heartbreaking reality when it comes to pregnancy is the topic of abortion. And I really appreciated how tenderly you addressed this topic by essentially confessing and repenting of the attitude that you used to hold, which was that abortion was, quote, a sad but necessary choice. There may be women listening today who have had an abortion woven into their life story. And so I want to be sure we invite that woman to join us at the foot of the cross, like you mentioned in the book, so we can hover close together with Christ for the grace and mercy that we all so desperately need. God has been so kind to me. Uh, Before I became a Christian in college, that was my attitude, sinful attitude, that it's abortion is sad, but she needs this option for her own sake, for for the sake of her own life. God has shown me great grace and mercy and allowing me to see how this attitude was shaped by the culture around me and the people around me and has corrected my perspective on on life and his gift um, through his word and primarily in showing me that he so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, uh, that whoever would believe in, in him and Jesus wouldn't perish but have eternal life. Uh, when I became a Christian and I, I learned that Jesus went to the cross on purpose, I had kind of misunderstood um, that Jesus was crucified um, as a result of many different circumstances that were out of his control. I had wrongly assumed that the Jews and the Gentiles had plotted together against him. He couldn't escape this, and his friends all left him, so he had no one to defend him. And he's so good and uh, gentle, he wouldn't defend himself, and that the crucifixion just happened to him. When I learned that he went on purpose to Jerusalem to be crucified for my sin, all the sin, every sin that I had already committed all the sin he knew I would commit. When I heard this great gospel of grace, that is when I became undone and I was lost for the first time. Before I kind of felt like I was pretty good, I got this covered. Uh, But when I heard that, that this was always his intention from before time to give himself, to be cut off from his father on the cross so that he could give life to sinners like us. This surely includes all of us everyone who would repent of their sin, no matter what the sin. So uh, abortion is, is certainly uh, included in this, that Jesus has given his life for us, all of us. And if we would to repent of our sin and have faith in his name, then he would cleanse us from all unrighteousness and give us life in his name. So yes, we do need to sit at the foot of the cross and stay put Uh, We don't move on from the cross. Oh, look, I'm forgiven. (laughs) I can just move on now. Uh, We stay put and receive the grace and mercy uh, that we do all desperately need because we have none in and of ourselves. I just want to mention, too, if there is someone listening to this episode who does have an abortion in their story and they are looking really more for more specific 
gospel hope and help in that area we do have a podcast episode you can look in the library and pull up hope and help for post-abortion trauma it's a fabulous conversation with camille cates of healing hearts ministries and she uh, shares a really heartbreaking story of her own abortion in her past and um, just some really helpful encouragements and biblical insights for those who are recovering from a traumatic experience with abortion. So I just wanted to mention that as well as another resource for women, if that is something that is of interest to them. Another facet I'd like for us to consider in our conversation are the families that are constructed through the adoption process. Many parents receive their children through adoption rather than physical labor and delivery. So how does the scripture speak to their experience? Adoption is so beautiful. We've all been adopted by God himself. The the spirit is given to us. We can cry out to God, Abba, Father. He calls us his own. Jesus is not ashamed to call us his brothers and sisters. So yes, uh, Christians, believers in Jesus have been adopted through the work of Jesus Christ on the cross. This is a beautiful picture of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. And the process of adopting a child into your family is a grand retelling of that, of that amazing story that you would go after and seek and save a child who needs a family. Uh, and to bring them into your home and to call them your son and daughter and to give them all that you have. This is, is a beautiful uh, illustration of the adoption that we have in Christ. I really resonated with a statement you made about the sacrifice of a mother's love as it extends beyond labor and delivery. You know, I've got a 13-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 5-year-old, So I'm and I'm all done as far as I know. <laughs> I'm all done making babies, but, you know, the Lord uh, has his own plans, and so as far as I know, I'm all done. And so I'm in that season where it's hard. <laughs> I know many mothers are currently grappling with fractured relationships with their children. And you write, quote, perhaps you rehearse a litany of your sacrificial motherly service and love and conclude, I carried her, I raised her, I fed her and clothed her. So why this pain? What hope can I have? How do these questions point us back to Christ for our hope and our help? I think as we as we process through the these questions, it's helpful to consider how this came about when we rehearsed those litany of questions uh, that you read. I carried her, I raised her, I fed her, I clothed her. To think back, how did this come about? Okay, this did I do all of this or did, did the, is the Lord doing this? The Lord made her in his image. The Lord is the one who brought about her conception. The Lord is the one who empowered me to carry her. The Lord carried me as I carried her. The Lord is raising me as I raise her and the Lord will raise her. He's the one who feeds us. To go back to the source of it all and say, God, this is your child, please. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> do something and change me as much as we, you know, can list the prayer requests for our children. Oh, I pray that the God would do this in my child's life and this and this and this. And it's very easy to come up with things that you'd like for the Lord to change about your child. But how easy is it for us to think of a list of the things we'd love for him to change about us? 
to think back to how did this all come about? What's the point? What is, what is this child's only hope in life and in death? That she is not her own, that she belongs body and soul to Jesus. To remember God, basically, uh, when we are feeling that pain and to, that would direct our hearts back to Christ for our hope and our help. At the beginning of the interview, I alluded to the fact that there are women for whom motherhood may never come. They may experience miscarriage after miscarriage and never experience the labor and delivery process full term. There are women with infertility issues or even women who actually are celibate and therefore their participation in the creation mandate will look totally different than what we've been talking about today. So how might your book be helpful for those who may not currently or may never have children? Yes, thanks for pointing this out. In the book, I discuss spiritual motherhood as well. Of course, we have many examples in scripture of people who have not physically carried and trailed children and, and given birth and raised children as a parent, but many who are spiritual parents to many. Jesus himself, of course, being the epitome of this, he and his, his offspring, <laughs> the church. Mm. So the spiritual parenting is significant blessing and gift to the body of Christ. I'm thinking of women who spiritually mothered me, who were in their late teens when I was a young teen. And just the, the influence uh, and power of discipleship for people, um, men and women, who are dedicated to pouring out their lives in discipleship of others. I don't know where I'd be. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, had had people not considered me as I'll help spiritually raise this child, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, in addition to my own mother's influence, of course. Just reflecting off of that, I had a wonderful conversation with Sam Albury a few months ago on the topic of valuing singleness, and we ha we did talk about you know the how does the creation mandate look for people who are celibate and how can they still participate even though they aren't having flesh and blood children of their own and it just is really neat to kind of think about we might have spiritual children and just kind of toss that off as well that's some kind of lower grade of children or something but the thing is is that spiritual children we bring with us to heaven yes you know the reality is is that there's no parenting formula that guarantees our flesh and blood offspring are coming with us. You know, God is sovereign over that. And of course, we hope and pray that our children will come to saving faith in Christ and, and be with us. But it's neat to think of spiritual children as, yes, these are lives that I'm investing into. These are souls I'm investing into that are going to be with me in heaven. I'm bringing them along where I can't bring anything else with me but people you know so it's not nothing no that's that's a really encouraging admonition to all of us who would be tempted to be lapse about our evangelism even toward those in our home you know we, we don't have guarantees from the bible that just because someone was born from our body that that they will be born again so it's a, a great encouragement to pray for our children and beg god to have mercy on them as well 
Well, we're just about done with our time today. And so I want to invite you to do something that I ask every guest to do, which is to speak directly to the audience. There may be someone listening to this episode whose experience with pregnancy and childbirth have yielded great sorrow. For her, pregnancy and childbirth are reminders of past pains, and she's worried about how the experience might unfold for her in the future. What would you say to that woman today to encourage her to labor with gospel-centered hope through her fears and anxieties, however the process might unfold? Yeah, um, I would say to her to look to God's word for your gospel-centered hope. That's where you're going to find it <laughs> in God's mm-hmm. word. Uh, Peter teaches us to cast all of our anxieties on him because he cares for you. This phrase, because he cares for you, has been such an encouragement to my own fearful heart. I believe, of course, that God is sovereign and that he is good. But what is a struggle for me sometimes is, but would he, would he bless me? Uh, to, to know from scripture um, that we cast our anxieties on him because he cares for us is, is a great encouragement to my heart. I'd also say to her, look in Psalm 23. I'll read it with, with some, uh, a changed pronoun for you. I would say to her, the Lord is your shepherd. You shall not want. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He leads you beside still waters. He restores your soul. He leads you in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you will fear no evil, for God is with you. His rod and staff will comfort you. He prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies, and he anoints your head with oil. Your cup overflows. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow you all the days of your life, and you shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Well, thank you so much for sharing those words of encouragement. I want to let the listener know that if you are interested in learning more about Gloria's writing ministry, she has so many really wonderful books centered around the motherhood experience. If you want to learn more about the different books Gloria has, scroll down to the show notes, click on the link. I will have all of her books listed there for you. Gloria, thank you so much. You know, I did not mention at the beginning of this interview that you are, well, I think I did, you are in Dubai and I am in South Carolina. We have a 10 hour time difference and it is almost midnight right now and I'm about to go to bed. I'm in my pajamas and you're waking up, taking the kids to school. So it has been a very fun time trying to get this conversation coordinated. And I'm just so thankful that you took the time out of your really busy schedule to talk about the book, Labor with Hope. I hope that today's conversation was encouraging to the listeners. And I'm just really thankful that I was able to have you on as a guest. Oh, thanks, Christine. I'm, I'm glad that you were able to <laughs> stay up tonight. Thank you for doing yeah. that. Before we let you go, I'd like to remind you to visit ibcd.org forward slash hope and help. There you can check out the show notes from today's episode. If you enjoyed today's conversation, why not subscribe to the podcast? That way you'll be notified when new weekly episodes release. Also, please don't keep the Hope and Help podcast a secret. If you know someone who could be encouraged by listening to this episode, please do them a favor by sharing it. Thanks so much for listening to today's show. Be sure to join us next time on the Hope and Help podcast.